Welcome to the Goodness Podcast, the Middle East's first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. My guests on the podcast today are poet and entrepreneur Celine Zabad and writer, editor, fitness instructor, and sound healing therapist Iwa Hanna. Thanks so much for joining me. So we've teamed up with Puma this month in celebration of International Women's Month and their campaign, She Moves Us, which celebrates women who move the world. And I've chosen both of you for very different reasons, which will become clear as we, we, we talk, uh, but essentially because of the impact you both have on the world in your own unique ways. Celine, I'll start with you. How did you end up writing poetry? And, or like, what in your life led you to this point? Um, I've always loved writing and I've always loved reading poetry. A big inspiration for me was Shel Silverstein when I was growing up. And poetry was always my refuge, like the paper and a pen, a blank paper, a blank piece of paper just to write what I was feeling, how I was feeling. And I remember when I was 10 years old, I was um, writing a poem about life. And my mom walked in on me and she was in awe of what I was writing at this age to, to write a poem about life. And I've, I've just been writing poetry ever since I was 10 years old. Uh, I've never shared it with the world. I only started sharing it a couple of years ago. Uh, it's been a, a, quite an interesting journey. I love what you write. There's, there's one specific one that I read this morning. I saved it. It said, I loved you the way I knew how. Perhaps it wasn't the love you needed, but it was still love. Yes. And I was like, wow, I can, I totally understand that. Uh, yeah, that's not one of my favorite pieces. But yes, what I write about is mostly life and what we go through in life. And what's been interesting for me is a lot of people relate and they find it very weird that I'm writing about exactly what they're going through. Mm. But we all go through the same things. We just live in a culture that celebrates the ups more than they talk about the downs, right? And I want people to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to go through what you're going through, whether it's sadness, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that you're feeling, you can talk about it. And if you don't know how to write about it, I hope that I'm, you know, voicing it for you or turning your feelings into words. Mm -hmm. So I hope my platform is that for many people. I think that's so powerful when you can read something that feels like it was literally written for you. You know, you read it and you're like, whoa, that is exactly what I'm going through and what I'm feeling. And it's been put into words so beautifully. A lot of, a lot of my readers say that. And that's when I feel, I wouldn't say proud, but I feel happy that someone else is relating yeah. and that I'm not alone in the world yeah. and that they're not alone in the, in the world as well, that they know that someone else is going through the same thing. It's funny you say that because one of the things that I was most driven by when I launched Goodness was how do I create a platform that allows women to feel like or, or helps them realize that they're not alone in what they're going through. When I started Goodness, I was going through a lot of personal stuff and it always felt like I was the only one in the world that was going through that because we don't talk. Absolutely. We don't voice these downs, as you were saying. And I wanted to, through sharing women's stories and having them write, et cetera, I wanted to make it so clear that, as you said, we go through similar journeys. You know, the experience, the, it's almost like the milestones are quite similar, but we experience them differently. And it was so important for me to, to, to channel that idea of you aren't alone. We're all going through this. Absolutely. And your emotions are valid. Whatever it is you're feeling, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to express it, it's okay, just as long as you do something about it, whether you cry, you write about it, you yeah. dance, you, and just the fact that 
other people relate. Well, you're a writer as well. How did you end up in the creative field? It's sort of funny. It's going to sound ridiculous, but basically I've always been really creative. I grew up in one of those typical highly driven, I have, yeah, you name it, I've probably done it. Everything from belly dancing to playing the guitar. I had a lot of extracurricular activities and I was growing up. And I was always naturally more drawn to the creative mm-hmm. side of things. But like growing up in a in a household where we had the the Chinese influence, uh, my mom is from Taiwan, and then the Arab influence, and my dad is like Lebanese with a few other <laughs> Arab influences thrown in. It was very much that environment, also a sign of the times back then, because, you know, things have really changed now, where everything that was celebrated was math, science, engineering, doctor, lawyer. So everything I did that was creative was wonderful, but it was seen as a hobby. And I never grew up thinking that I could be one of those people that I would read about and see. And it, it, was, a, it was a dream that I felt like was for, reserved for the West. And it was something that I was out of my reach. But the older I grew, I realized that there are certain things that you have a talent for. And basically, it's funny. I think people who meet me at first think I'm very logic driven and everything I do is like ruled by the mind. But at the end of the day, the decisions I make always come from my gut and intuition rules my life. And it's never led me astray. And I think that's kind of how I ended up in this. So, I mean, when I was in year nine, I had this teacher and never underestimate the power of a good teacher. He sat me down and talked to my parents about it and said, look, your daughter has a talent with words. Don't ignore this because this is something that I feel is a gift for her. And it was the first time someone had opened the door to the possibility that it was something more than just a hobby for me. I wanted to go to art school. When I was in university, I studied French literature and economics. It has nothing to do with it. And I thought, okay, I'm still figuring out who I am. I wanted to be a lawyer. And as I went through all the different phases of who I could be, it sounds ridiculous, and this is the funny part, I realized that I spent more of my time editing people's homework than anything else. And I had a knack for it. And I love telling stories. I mean, even to this day, I mean, this is a sort of like silly anecdote, but I once broke up with someone over a text message and I got lambasted for it. And I understand that socially that's not seen as a a very good thing. But to this day, I just wish that they would understand that that was my way. Because if I verbalized it, it wouldn't have come out with as much meaning. And the way I express myself best is in words. And so that was me trying to be as sincere and authentic as possible. It's just that's how I communicate best. Silly story. But anyway. Um, I totally relate to that, by the way. I'm much, much more eloquent when I write. I mean, my background, I studied publishing and worked in book publishing as well. So if I have the time, I can write something really well. When I'm pressed for words and I'm speaking, I'm always the kind of person who will walk out of, a, of an argument or a conversation and be like, oh, I should have said that. I yeah. should have said that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this is great news for us being on a podcast, but I mean, I have a, <laughs> I have a tendency to just sort of just speak thoughtlessly, but with thought behind the rambling, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But when it comes to writing, I can put my thoughts together in a way that makes sense to me and other people. And it's just when I'm faced with that blank page, yes, I know it can be intimidating, but I also see it as filled with opportunity and that's where I can express who I am. And so, I mean, with realizing that I I basically ended up doing internships and writing and PR and I realized that I had always wanted to be a writer. And as a kid, like that was my escape. Every time the world got a little bit scary, I dip into a sci-fi or a fantasy novel and that was where I could be anything that I wanted to be. And I had this dream that maybe one day I could tell one of those stories, which is how I'm now like sort of trying. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but I'm trying to write my first novel at the moment. It's like nothing I've ever done before. But I mean, even telling other people's stories, like, I mean, I know we're going to probably get into this as the, the talk goes on, but that's the thing that really lights my fire. It's telling people's stories. 
you know, through my work in the magazines and everything I've ever done since, I just, that's my bread and butter in terms of like what I feel my vocation is. What drives you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've written for, you've written health articles, you've written for goodness, you've worked on Women's Health magazine, you're writing a sci-fi novel right now, you, you write a lot of different things. So you said that telling people stories is what drives you or, or your bread and butter, but what is like the writing that you feel is truest to who you are? Or what is the writing that helps you put your truth out there? It's funny. I, I, I know I don't really write blog posts or anything like that. And I've had a lot of friends encourage me to do it. But back when I used to work on the magazine, it was my editor's letters that was the most of me. Mm. That's where my truth would come out. And I, my friends always used to joke that that was where I had my Yoda time. You know, I'd be able to share my wisdom, but it was never forced. It was sort of just me sitting down and looking on the month that had just passed and what that meant and reflecting on how the lessons we could learn from that. And the other place that I always tend to find that the most is when I do travel writing. Because a lot of the time, it's not about, oh, look at this beautiful site, this wonderful thing I ate. It's this feeling of self-discovery when you've been stripped of everything that's in your comfort zone. And you're in a place where no one knows you. And perhaps you don't even speak the language. I mean, the kind of travel that I like to do is a little more adventure-based, but it doesn't really matter. You could get equally lost in a city versus a mountainside. It doesn't really matter. But the idea is that you remove yourself from all the like sort of societal structures that define you as you. People don't know who you are. They don't judge what your clothes mean to this society could mean something to someone else. This is your chance to really get away from it all and figure out who are you? And are you still that same person that you would be in your everyday life? And if you're not, then what parts of it do you want to keep or shed? And that's why when you get home, you kind of have a stronger sense of who you are. And it's that process of self-discovery when you travel like that. To me, that's being a traveler, not a tourist. And that is where I think it really comes out. Like I love living it, but I love hearing other people's stories of when they do that. And I think those experiences are invaluable. Like they teach you who you are and the things you could learn from other people and their cultures also is like one of the greatest lessons in life you could have. That's beautiful. I think anyone who's listening to this is going to be missing travel yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's the thing I miss the most, definitely. Yeah. But it's it's so it's so well said. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, in a wonderful way, it helps make, make you realize how small and insignificant your life could be yeah. in a good way because it helps give you that perspective where the, the silly things that you sometimes overblow in your mind, they don't really matter that much. But it also makes you realize how much power one individual could have on the world. And like when you're making great decisions about things, when the apathy comes by choice, that's not apathy. That's a conscious choice to not get involved with something because perhaps it's not right for you. But mm. when you remain apathetic about the impact that one person could have, I think you're really doing yourself and your community a disservice because all it takes is one. And if every single person in the world thought, I can't make a difference, so why should I even bother? The world would never change. Do you, ladies, ever think, do you ever think about the impact that you have on the work through on the world through your work? Not really. I, yeah. I I don't think about it often. But but she's right. I mean, one person can make a difference. But on my platform, I really don't think about it unless someone sends me an emotional message or says, mm. "Thank you for posting this. I relate. I'm I'm glad that I'm not alone." That's when I start thinking of impact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was thinking to th there was a point in my 20s, which was quite the existential crisis where I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember sitting there and thinking, and perhaps it was a quite an immature way to approach the problem, but I was like, what is going to be my impact on the world? Like, what's my cause? 
you know, and I think a lot of us have gone through that in our 20s. Have you? Absolutely. Not just in our 20s. I've my I've always wanted to leave the world a better place than, you know, than when I came in or whatever. I I I just want to leave something behind. Mm-hmm. And for me, for some people, maybe it's a child, maybe. Yeah. But for me, it's just I want to make a change. I want to make a difference. And I'm just not sure what it is. And if if that difference is making someone else feel like they can relate, then 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 I'm happy. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy that you say that because I remember I read a quote when I was younger and it said and it was talking about someone and it said he left a dent in the world. Mm-hmm. And I became obsessed with that idea of how can your life, your just one simple, relatively short life, how can it be significant enough so as to as so as to impact the world or change the course of history? It we're not talking change the course of history like Napoleon level, <laughs> but like in what little way can you do something that it can be as small as you know you you changed someone's life through an act of kindness or whatever exactly. that is and that put them on a different direction which actually impacted um the direction of of the world or of history in one way or another and that's something i've always thought of and i've always um really loved the idea of as you said to leave the world better than than it was when you came in yes. it it's yeah. funny i never really thought about what's my purpose until i actually hit my 30s And I did a lot of soul searching around it and had a fair amount of therapy as well, which I always think everyone should get. I hate the stigma around it because yeah. to me, like you, you go to a personal trainer to make yourself fitter. You know, when we say we go to therapy, a lot of there's still a little bit of stigma about it. I know it's getting better where people think, oh, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? No, it's that if you'd like to become the master of your own self and your mind, why not have an expert guide you and help mm-hmm. you figure out you? And that's the thing. They don't do it for you. They make you do it, which is how you get along with that inner work. And that kind of relates to how I feel about this whole concept as well because I I always feel like every time I do anything, I have to ask myself, am I doing it because I want to? If I am I doing it to feed my soul or am I doing it to feed my ego? Ego, good and one. Ego yeah. is important, it's necessary. It helps us get up and get things done and it's a crucial part of an, our ambition and we we couldn't exist without it. It's necessary and it has its absolute place of good. But there is a very fine line that we're always dancing across. Mm-hmm. And so when I do something that I think could be good, the question I always ask myself is, if I didn't get any recognition and no one saw it, would I want to do it anyway? And if the answer is yes, then you do it because then that's because it's for your yeah. soul. And if I'm only doing it because it's going to make me feel good because of how I impacted the world, I'm I'm teetering on the edge of the bad side of the ego there. And I have to just reel myself in a little bit and be careful with that. But with that in mind, that's kind of what made me realize I actually... It would be wonderful if I could have an impact on the world. It's amazing. But I realized that changing one person's world is enough for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that that's enough. Just one person and one person's world because then that person may also then go on and change someone else's world. And that's all we need. It's like a ripple effect. Yeah, exactly. It's also interesting what you said about ego versus soul, but I've never thought of it that way. I just had a light bulb moment. <laughs> but for me, it's also being unapologetically yourself, right? Yeah. For me, how I started, like I never wanted to share my poetry on Instagram or actually I was working in advertising and I had a couple of friends who said like you have some really good stuff why don't you share it with the world and I was just being myself I was just writing my story my truth and and that's how I ended up here but that's really interesting about soul soul versus ego so I just 
never thought of it that way. And actually, like on the topic of self, this is something else that I've been thinking a lot about in the last couple of years, which is that I think especially nowadays in this modern world where a lot of us are tied to our social media and you present this image of who you are to the world and it can be fully authentic. That's fine. But, you know, a lot of the time it's funny because I say, okay, you might become what people deem influencer or influential, which to me are still two different things. Absolutely. But when it comes to a point where your audience is so used to who you are that you're afraid to ever allow yourself to change, that's also a dangerous point. And I think self-awareness is so important in every part of life because of every aspect, even in this one, because we're human beings. We evolve. That's supposed to be a good thing. You're allowed to grow and that might change. And so I think if you do it respectfully, obviously you don't want to be like, hey, surprise audience, I'm totally different today. This evolution is natural. It takes time. But, you know, when you say to be unapologetically yourself, it's also this idea of allowing yourself to, it sounds a little hippie floo-foo, but you get what I mean, right? It's figure out who that self is. And once you do figure out who you are in that chapter of your life, allow yourself to be that, explore what that means to you. Because people are supposed to change. Life would be so boring if we never did. Do you feel like social media is a tool that allows you to explore who you are in your various phases of your life? Or can it actually hinder that exploration? I think it depends on your self-awareness with it, really. Because, yeah, I mean, are you beholden to you or what your audience wants from you? Um, Exactly. So it's a bit of both, I think. And that's why I brought up the unapologetically yourself. Mm. I'm evolving with my readers, right? I don't think I'm trying to write just for my readers. I'm I'm writing for myself and I'm sharing it with the world. But yeah, sometimes it can hinder that, right? The other day I wrote something and it was a joke. Oh, I shared something on Instagram and it was a joke. And someone sent me a message saying, don't you think this might offend some people that have mental health issues? And for me, All I write about is mental health issues and what we're going through, depression, anxiety. So yeah, some people just take things the way they want to take things. And and my response to the lady was, it's unfortunate if that's how they take it. I know I I, I might haven't, that's where we talked about the influence on the world. Mm. That's where I started thinking, should I think twice about what I'm writing and what I'm sharing on my platform so that doesn't affect other people? But then I decided I'm, I know my intentions. I know what my intentions are. Again, I'm writing about my journey and my truth. And it's unfortunate if someone wants to misinterpret it. Mm. But then again, when I sat with myself, I started thinking, of course, I don't want to affect someone negatively. So yeah, it can, it can, it can be a great tool to hone your skills, to uh, share your creativity with the world, but it can also hinder yeah. some things. Yeah. I think from both sides, they just need to hold space for the other, you know, for for you, if you're creating content, then to hold space for your audience to maybe give you that feedback, be open to what they feel, because you're also, you also need your audience in order to have that space where you can grow and create But at the same time, they should allow you to be who you are and they need to hold space for you as a human being to evolve. Okay, game, right? We were talking about soul and ego. That's are are you changing for for the audience or are you writing your own truth? Are you just sharing your creativity with the world? Or are you fixing it and molding it for others? So it becomes that's the issue with the likes, right? Because you still and the issue the with likes, the algorithm, the comments, yeah. the messages. Actually, I spoke about this on the last podcast that I recorded. But the the engineering of the platform is, you know, if you're not putting something out there that people want and people like, you're not your content's not going to perform well. So even though you are, 
even if you are wanting to explore the various aspects of who you are and put things differently out there, if it's not what your audience is used to. Like, for example, I, I experienced that with my old public Instagram account, which is now shut down for my own sanity. But I was in fashion for a long time, for seven years, I think. And so my Instagram account was these incredible parties and fashion week and and designer stuff and just the most incredible experiences that I was having through fashion. And then when I started to work at Goodness, it it shifted. It did like a 180. You know, when I started Goodness, it was completely different. I had an audience on Instagram that was there for the fashion content. They wanted to see the front row photos. They wanted to see the designer interviews. And then all of a sudden they were like faced with more of this like wellness stuff and and not all of them responded well to it. And I had to be okay with that. I had to be yeah. okay with the fact that I went from, you know, hundreds of likes to dozens of likes on some photos. Yeah. But Instagram does that. But and that's, that's a thing. different thing you're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. So, But your audience then changed. They're not mm. the right audience exactly. anymore. Yes. So it's okay to lose it because then as long as you are true to yourself and you believe in that content, then the right audience will come exactly. as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, at the end of the day also, if you have something to say, Would you say it even if there was no one to listen? And I think that's a question I ask myself all the time. You know, I mean, for instance, this novel, I'm self-publishing it and I have various reasons for doing so. And it's this wacky, wacky sci-fi novel with a dash of spirituality. And it's very hard for me to describe what it is. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never done anything like this before. And I sit there sometimes wondering, oh gosh, is this rubbish? Is this pile of garbage? And should I throw it out and do it again? But I ask myself that every day and every single time I sit down to write because am I writing this because I want to sell as many copies as possible? Am, am I willing to change the story to make it more marketable? That's actually the reason why I want to self-publish it because I want to know just at least with this first book that everything I've put in this story is not because I think it'll sell. It's because this is a story that I feel I have to tell. I mean, to each their own, but for me, this is the right path. And with that in mind, even if I sold five copies, I'd still be happy because I told the story that I wanted to tell. And as long as I'm okay with that, I have to be honest with myself that I'm okay with that. Yeah. Do you have a title? Yeah, it's called Awakened. Nice. Is, is there a reason that you feel like you have to tell this story? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's a little controversial to be honest, but I had this ex-boyfriend who always used to tell me at night, Iwa, can you switch your brain off? I can hear it buzzing. You could power a city with that thing. And then, of course, that just made my brain buzz more because I'm like, ooh, imagine a sci-fi world where brains were electricity. So that's where it all started. Okay. <laughs> so thank you to that guy, actually. And through all the years, that that's completely transformed into something else. I went to Brazil and I spent a little bit of time with a shaman and a psychotherapist. And at the time, I had really been thinking it's time for me to write that book. I, there are pieces of this story that are missing. I remember that trip you took. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, pretty life-changing. But even with that in mind, I mean, I think it's because I was ready. They say it calls to you when you're ready. And and I was ready to take on that journey. And it's been a long journey and it's been wonderful, but hard work. And that's where the pieces of the story started coming together. And it's crazy, but you know, every time I get stuck with it, something just happens and it's right there in front of my eyes, almost like it was meant to be. And I'm not saying, like, like I said, look, it's a it's a sci-fi story that's a young adult science fiction. It's not life-changing. It's nothing profound. But for me, it is. Yeah. And this is, I don't know what it is, but there's a story that I just have to tell. I don't know what it is. I read one time, I can't remember which author it was. I'm trying to remember if it was an author or someone who wrote on beautiful Instagram um, content. But anyway, whoever that person was said, 
that at the end of the day, they are their primary audience. So that that person is their own primary audience and they write for themselves. And if the if the sort of side effect of that is that other people see it, like it and, you know, follow or enjoy, then great. But at the end of the day, he wants to write what is truest to him. Yeah. I think that's like something difficult, but really powerful to 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 be able to follow through and keep in mind. Yeah, it makes sense. And and to be honest, for me, the meaning of the book, I mean, I'm not going to tell you guys the ending, but the meaning of it is also what drives me because it's what I so passionately believe in, which is this idea that like, you know, if you were to pick a moral of the story the same way, for example, in Harry Potter, it's the power of friendship and love rules above all. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's the idea that human nature is duality. And so if we were, you'll understand a little more if I explain the context of the book. So I'll get to that one day. But um, but it's the idea that if you were to truly reach a state of enlightenment, that is not about being happy all the time. It's not living in a world of false positivity that can become toxic because human nature is duality. We are yin and yang, dark and light. And so if you truly, and this is just what I believe, but if you truly want to reach a state of enlightenment, it's that in every moment of every day, you're always faced with a choice. And it is when you're always able to consciously make the better choice, that is when you reach some form of personal enlightenment because it's never like, okay, you've healed, poof, everything's perfect. And now things are light and fluffy for the rest of all time. That's life. And it's the beauty of the human experience. It's learning how to always dance on that line. Have you struggled with that, either of you, when you were sort of, I'm I'm coming of age, I don't know if that's the right word, but the realization that life is actually a lot more difficult than we ever realized it was. And I think that's like, in a way, props to our parents for protecting us from, from, or at least in my in my situation, or they protected me from a lot of like the more difficult aspects of the world. So when I was in my late 20s, I was like, uh, no one told me that, that there is this much, you know, difficulty in the world and this much responsibility. And again, this is maybe uh, coming from a position of privilege because a lot of people did not have that and were faced with some of the uglier realities of the world very early on. But also this, it was also this, understanding that there are so many emotions to feel and they're all okay to feel. And and you don't, as you're saying, you know, you don't need to be happy all the time. You don't need to strive for that. And it is okay to be sad and to be angry and to literally allow yourself to explore the whole rainbow of emotions that we have. But for me, it's quite funny because it was, it was a, it was a process that happened sometime in my mid-teens. I don't know if that was the same in my mid-20s. Sorry. I don't know if that was the same for you. For me, it was later in life. I mean, I lost my father at 18. So that was, for me, that was just, there's a point before that and after that. My life's divided into Mm -hmm. two. And, And actually for me, the learning and the emotions and how how tough life can get was actually in my mid-30s. And I was very sheltered by my parents, thankfully, and not so thankfully at the same time, because sometimes I just wished that I was more aware of things at an earlier age and that it's okay to feel all of these mm. feelings at an earlier age. Just like you guys were talking about how it's a culture where it's not okay to have therapy. And you said something really beautiful. I mean, we go to the gym to work out and and, and work on our physical fitness, but we don't think about our mental fitness. And I think that's something that that's getting better now in our culture, but it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have all these feelings and it's okay to talk about them and it's okay to to listen 
because some people just want to run away from from feelings. I mean, if you're sad, one of my favorite uh, animations is Inside Out. And I don't know if you remember the scene where sadness and joy are always like bickering. And, and at one point, joy just wants sadness to stay in one place. Like this is a circle and you stay here. Mm. And at the end of the movie, joy realizes that there is no joy without sadness, that you have to go through sadness in order to evolve, in order to understand life, in order to gain wisdom and enlightenment. And, and that's where the reconciliation, you know, mm. comes in. And that for me was very, very powerful. Yeah. So embracing your emotions at any age is just, I think, is very important. Ultimately, emotions are energy in motion. And if you have something that's stuck inside you and you're not allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel, it's just going to keep running inside of you like a loop. And it's something that my therapist, she's takes a very holistic approach and she's amazing. And she's taught me that one of the best ways for me to move past certain things is allow myself to truly feel what I feel. It's the only way to release that energy and let it have the space it needs mm. to get it out and so I can move forward. But with that in mind, I mean, I actually grew up in a, culturally speaking, in Chinese culture, we're very sort of matter of fact, blunt, almost fatalistic to a point, you know, since I was a kid, my mom used to joke, like just very matter of fact and say, one day when I die, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to be around anymore. And, you know, these are things that you grow up knowing. So the harsh realities of life are always in my peripheral. But the emotions that come with them were something that, you know, culturally speaking, we're told life is hard. It is what it is. Suck it down. And that's something that we really struggled with because, I mean, it's funny. I was actually saying this to my sister the other day. When I think other people look at me, they always say, oh, you're so tough. You're so strong. I'm seen as the softie in my family. So you can imagine the iron will that they were raised with as well. And I've, I've really learned to soften a great deal over the years. And that in itself has been a learning experience. It's not easy. You know, and I think we talk about this yin and yang energy. And for me, yang is that strong masculine force. I had that in spades. Even after my father died, I felt like I had to step up and sort of help be the man of the house to an extent when he wasn't around. But it, my energy was out of balance. So I had to really work on softening into that yin side of myself. And when I allowed myself to feel those emotions, I uncovered a whole new side of myself. And that's helped me evolve like crazy. And there's this really interesting uh, phrase that I've been sort of focusing on for the last couple of weeks is the idea that in life, there's no such thing as failures or don't allow yourself to think of something that was wrong or something that you didn't like the way it turned out. Don't think of it as a failure. Think that there are only lessons and limitations. So if it's a limitation, something that you want to improve upon, that's fine. Find your limit and learn how to push past it so you can grow to being better. And if it's something that you'd like to discard and it doesn't serve you, then simply look at it as a lesson. Because mm. either way, that way, it's going to help you grow into something more evolved. You had a beautiful poem about someone being the most important lesson. I was reading them the other day. You said, I've forgiven you. I have a weird memory, so maybe mm. I've got this right. I've forgiven you, but I haven't forgotten. How could I when you were the most important lesson I've ever had? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. always... We're always discussing this forgive and forget concept. Can you forgive and can you forget? But if the, the point of that poem was, if I forget, then I, I didn't learn the lesson. Yeah. Just people, you know, so many things happen with you. You fall out with friends. You, you, ha you have issues with certain family members. And we're always discussing, I'm always discussing with my husband, with my mother, about how to forgive and it's a very difficult thing for some mm. people. And just look, I, I, I don't know, how do you feel about the concept of forgiving and forgetting? I just, 
I feel with certain people, I've been able to forgive and move on and move forward. But I cannot forget because if I forget, either that means I've let go. I don't know if it means that I've evolved, if I've forgotten. But that poem for me was, if I forget, then I didn't learn the lesson. Yeah, no, you, yeah. I mean, the word summed it up perfectly and beautifully. That's exactly how I feel. And funnily enough, so... About, I think it was 10, 12 years ago, I used to be that person who used to make fun of all this stuff, say, oh, a bunch of crazy hippies. And I always said, I will never, ever forgive. And I used to say (laughs) forgiveness. I know. I I mean, like night and day, honestly. And I thought it was so stupid. And I had to write this article. I was working for a women's magazine at the time and it was Christmas. And so I was assigned by my editor to go and write something about forgiveness. And at the same time, it was the same month that I had to speak to this lady who is a psychic medium. And I said, oh, God, why am I being assigned this ridiculous story? And she was going to talk to me about the importance of forgiveness and how, you know, and I basically made this joke about how I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to go and have a coffee with I see dead people. So I went there (laughs) cynical as anything. And you know what? I sat down and she humbled me severely because, I mean, there is no way she could have known this. But she just looked at me and just said, you've lost your father, haven't you? And I can see what? something. And the, she said something to me that no one's ever known, like only me and my dad. There's no way anyone could have known that. I got chills all the way down my arm. And so after that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's real because there's no way anyone could have ever known that. It's something that my dad said to me that no one knew. Anyway, so we spoke a lot about forgiveness after that. And it made me like that, that humbled me so much that I thought, let me look at this seriously. And at the time, I just remember, you know, everyone always said forgiveness, it will set you free. And even though that was the start of my journey, and it was something that started to open a door for me and a few other things after that, you know, and it set me on this path. It's now I've really learned forgiveness truly will set you free. But one of the reasons why is because, as you said, if you forget, you forget the lesson. I don't want to forget, but it doesn't mean don't forget as in hold on to any resentment about it. It's true. When you forgive, you truly have to let it go. It's just that you remember it simply as something that happened to you. Maybe it was a lesson. And one of the biggest things that's helped me is also it's understanding, empathy, compassion. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to say it doesn't make it okay if someone did something awful, you know, and you will remember that lesson so that you don't keep putting yourself in that same situation to make the mistakes again. But if you understand why they did what they did, and with that empathy, you can forgive it and let it go and move on. Yes, I guess it depends on different personalities. If you're um, if you're the type of person who always gives and is always loving, sometimes it's hard to understand where the hurt's coming from or why the hurt, why that person hurt you that way. But I absolutely agree with you. Forgiveness is not about forgiveness is about letting go of the resentment. But also what I've found, what I've learned recently is you also have to forgive yourself and, and learn how to do that before, before you can forgive someone else. Because if you don't know how to forgive yourself, how can you forgive someone else, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, And also wondering how much of that anger was maybe from projection. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you invited and, and, and that person, you in some way were seeking them because they needed to teach you that lesson about yourself. Perhaps. And that's it's that combination of self-reflection. And as you described, yeah. like it's, yeah, it, it really does. Like it sounds like a cliche, but it's set me mm-hmm. free in so many ways. And you didn't tell us how how you learned how to forgive. What did she, she humbled you, but what did she teach um, you, if you can share with she us? She just opened a door, you know, and years and years of therapy. I mean, that was that was the one thing that made me think, okay, let me give all this sort of esoteric wellness stuff a go. 
And then I went to Nepal and I thought still, okay, let me do this singing bowl treatment that looks ridiculous. They put a giant bowl on your head and gong it. How silly is this going to be? And it shook something (laughs) loose in me. And here I am doing sound healing therapy. I mean, it sets you on a path, you know, and I think it maybe that's I needed it because that is what makes me believe in what I believe in now so strongly because I know how it changed me. You know, um, and that set me on this path to where I started discovering different types of holistic therapy. And my therapist, she's incredible. And like, she's really taught me how to do that. And as you said, it's also learning how to forgive yourself for things that you didn't know, things that you needed to learn. What kind of therapy do you do? Sorry, I'm interested in therapy. That's okay. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, if you ever want her details, like I'm happy to share. But like, she just... Every time I say, you changed my life, she said, she always says, no, I didn't. I just taught you how to change your own mm. and I would help you help yourself. And it's so true because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what type of therapy you're going to get. You are responsible for the work. You have to go inside yeah. and do your inner work. And that's, you know, this idea that no man or woman wants to look in the mirror and admit that part of what they see in that reflection is a monster. But it's accepting that darker part of yourself as part of you that will help you sort of master it, overcome it. You have to integrate everything in yourself. And so it's it's ultimately trauma therapy. Mm. And I think when people hear the word trauma, they freak out thinking, oh, but trauma is something really melodramatic. If you think of it this way, for an adult, something that might happen to you is not a big deal because you have the societal and mental tools, you're equipped to deal with it. Whereas to a child, you didn't have those tools yet. So something that happened to you could actually place an imprint on you that would then cause a pattern in your behavior for the rest of your life. And you don't realize how much that's impacted you. So sometimes if there's something in your behavior that you're repeating again and again, and you realize that sign in that pattern, you might want to go in and do that inner child therapy and figure out where it all started and what is it that hurt you at that time. It's only once you heal that wound, then you can set that one phase of yourself, that inner child of that time free and move on because then you're going to break that cycle of the loop. Um, and so this this trauma therapy, it's really interesting, but it's literally going as deep inside yourself as you possibly can. And it's not easy. It sounds so simple. Feel what you need yeah. to feel. Feel your emotions. So simple, but it's not. Do you have any practices that you've developed across the year that are your way of going in or your way of sitting and uncovering your emotions, whether that is meditation journaling, singing, whatever it is? For me, mostly it's um, being in nature, Um, especially like I love the ocean. I I love to sit on the shore and just listen to the waves lapping. That for me is very inspiring. Um, I don't per se have any specific way of doing things or writing or Anything that inspires me, it's sort of just spur of the moment thing. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling something, if I'm inspired by something, it could be a a nicely written quote or a story or another poem or anything else. But no, I don't have a specific way of doing things before I write my poems or. Yeah. Maybe it's for each different feeling. You have a different way of. Yeah, for me, it's just a spur of the moment. And I just love playing with words. So if I just think of something and I just. It's, it's, I never just sit on a desk and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a poem now. But so writing is your way of processing. Yeah. 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 So that's why I said being true to yourself. That's why I said what I write is my own truth Mm -hmm. and I just share it with the world. So whatever I'm feeling in the moment or maybe stories I've heard from other people or what they're going through and 
you know, they, it's affected me and I just write about it. Yeah. yeah, It's funny. I think you saying the word processing, that's exactly what it is. So maybe it's through writing. Maybe it's yeah, through absolutely. being in nature. It's my refuge. Yeah. So maybe um, going and punching a boxing bag, yeah. maybe listening to a sound meditation, whatever it might be. I mean, in my case, it's always asking myself the hard questions that I would otherwise avoid. So let's say if I'm in a really bad mood, I have to ask myself, why am I angry? And like, really, why am I angry? And when you get down to the the real why underneath the why, if that makes sense, it helps me figure out what else I might be feeling or what's going on. And that's the root cause that I have to deal with. And there's different remedies for each one. Sometimes it involves punching a bag. Sometimes it involves meditating. Yeah. You know, I think you have to be kind to yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned also, which is that if if think of yourself as like one of your greatest, dearest friends when you're in times like that, how would you help them through it? Why, why are we so often not as kind to ourselves? Mm -hmm. And it's not easy, but like learning how to do that has really helped me also as a process. When you answer these questions, do you journal or how do you do it? Yeah, sometimes I journal. Sometimes I think it's because I write so much for work and I deal with words so much in some strange way. Like sometimes writing helps me process it, but other times I just sit there and I'm so busy trying to organize my thoughts all the time that sometimes when I allow my thoughts to just come in a state of flow where I don't have to do anything, it's when I think of the best yeah. things. So I think it's maybe just like find, it, it's always that yin and yang for me. Find what it is you've had too much of and what you need the balance to be the opposite of. Maybe that's what you need to come back into that balance. Mm -hmm. What do you do when it gets too loud sometimes? Honestly, sound healing, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get that ability to be able to give sessions myself. It's helped me so much over the years. And it's I think one of the reasons is because I'm so much in my head. I'm yeah, a classic overthinker. Same. And sometimes when I try to overanalyze her. Yeah, <laughs> I think so many of us are actually. I'm finding out more and more. Um, and sometimes when you sit down to meditate, it's like I'm supposed to be meditating. My mind is supposed to be clear. Oh, crap. Now I'm thinking of my to-do list. And you <laughs> force, you get so caught up in trying to force yourself to clear your mind that that in itself ends up being something that becomes another stressor. Whereas when I listen to the sound, it carries you. It's like this blanket that wraps you up and it just kind of holds you and does it for you. I use aromatherapy sometimes as well. It really helps. What kind of bowls do you use? So I use a combination of metal bowls and crystal bowls okay. and like a couple of other instruments. There's like an ocean drum and a rain stick, nature sounds and oh, I love rain things sticks. like that. Yeah, they're so relaxing. For me, the ocean drum gets me every time and I think it's because I'm really connected with the ocean. But whatever it is, like the sound, it literally slows down my brainwaves and forces me to come to that mm. place of calm. So when I'm really feeling like everything is a tangled mess up in there, it does help me slow down for a moment. One last question, ladies, before I, I let you go. Who would you say moves you? Who are the biggest influences in your life and the biggest inspirations? Actually, whether they're people or not. So what or who moves you? For me, creativity in all its forms. Um, nature the ocean, the sound of the waves lapping on the shore, wisdom, interesting quotes, stories, um, music, gr a great voice, but even deeper lyrics. When I see talented people, my cousin playing the piano and just the, 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 the music flowing through his fingertips, also listening to slam poetry. And if you want to ask me who moves me, successful women move me, working mothers, my mother. Yeah, also, yeah. I wanted to talk about um, a great underdog story. That's something that moves me. 
And since it's a Puma campaign, I wanted to mention, I don't know if you've heard of Simone Biles. Recently, there's a quote that she said, and just that quote really inspired me. She said, I'm not the next Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt. I'm the first Simone Biles. So that kind of passion, that kind of confidence um, in a woman as well, is, I think is very, very inspiring. I'm going to sound like such a cliche, but honestly, it's human stories and human emotion. I mean, one of the things I used to love back in the magazine is this idea that it doesn't matter who you talk to, literally anyone, everyone will have a story. And that story, if you tell it in the right way, can move you. And that was one of my favorite things to do. I think, you know, when I wasn't doing the travel writing, telling human stories, I absolutely loved it because think literally pick any person off the street. You might not realize it at first, but you can dig it out of them. And maybe they don't have the words to say it, but that was my job. That was to try and help tell that story. And I think it's it's finding that humanity. You know, I think sometimes like, especially, you know, I mean, I've kind of grown into my spirituality over the years, fine. But like, I didn't really grow up that way. And it was this idea that, you know, sometimes we get a little depressive thinking, God, there's so many bad things that happen in the world. You know, this this sucks. Like, what's the whole point of it all? Well, that's the point. It's to feel. We're so lucky to be able to feel. And I know that the sadness and pain and grief and all these negative emotions sometimes, yeah, they're not pleasant, but what a luxury it is to be able to feel. That is the gift of being human and finding those stories, what we learn from it, what we can become from it if we choose to. It's an amazing thing. And so I think that's what moves me. I mean, in terms of women, like my mom, I mean, we've not always had an easy relationship and, you know, because she is very hard on me sometimes. But without that, I would never be who I am today. And she's an incredible woman who's been through some amazing things. Like one of my closest friends, she's a stage four breast cancer survivor. And the fierceness with which she approaches life, like she's my lighthouse. I have this friend who's recently become a writing buddy and she inspires me whenever I'm feeling doubt and I think, oh my gosh, do I have imposter syndrome? Can I do this thing? I don't know how to do this. She sits with me and she helps me figure it out. And I think, you know, you, you find these different amazing women who are super capable in your lives. Um, but beyond that, I think every single person out there has a story. And if you let it, that story can inspire you. Thank you so much for that. Before you go, could I ask you to share your Instagram handles or wherever you know, you'd know you prefer to be contacted if our listeners want to get in touch with you? At Celine Zabad on Instagram. At Iwahana. It's really hard to spell, I know. It's Y-I-H-W-A-H-A-N-N-A. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Thank Thank you you. so much, ladies. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it. And we'll see you next week.